Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to another episode of The Hangover. I'm Daniel, alongside with me as always, Shannon White. Uh, this is not the hangover that we've been enjoying the last couple of times. Uh, this is one where the Pittsburgh Steelers get out Steelered. How are you doing, my man? How's it going, Shannon? Well, I'm doing great. Uh, <clears throat> it's Thanksgiving week, and so much to be thankful for, regardless if it's the Steelers or not. So I'm going to just be thankful and blessed, and uh, we're going to have a fun show today. I'm going to, as I was telling you before the show started, I'm going to try to be tactful. My uh, article that I've been working on. I included a lot of humor because, hey, if you don't, you know, if you don't laugh, you're going to cry. So I'm, I'm planning on having some fun tonight, uh, this afternoon with our show and just enjoying our time together. Yeah, that's all you can do at this point. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers mm -hmm. losing to the Cleveland Browns 13 to 10. You know, this was a score that was kind of predicted by a lot of folks uh, before this game. You know, one way or the other, that that this was going to come down to the wire. This were, you know, two teams that were defensively dominant, and that the uh, score was going to be low scoring, probably under thirty points, which it ended up being. And thirteen to ten, Kenny Pickett, in my opinion, takes another step backwards. I mean, that's been the uh, conversation since the game. Uh, Kenny Pickett going fifteen for twenty or twenty eight for 15, fifteen completions out of twenty eight attempts. 106 yards, 3.8 average. You know, he was sacked three times for 29 yards. And if you take off the 13 yards that were at the end of the game, I mean, he he, he literally, during the main focus of the game, threw less than 70 yards. What are your thoughts on his performance this past week, weekend? My, You know me, I'm hashtag... Free Mason Rudolph. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. I mean, we've tried Big Ben. We've tried Mitch Trubisky. We've tried Kenny Pickett. Uh, none of them has been able to do anything in this offense. Matt, uh, Canada's offense, Mason Rudolph deserves a fair shot to show what he can't do in this offense. I am all for starting Mason Rudolph this coming week against the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, I think there's a lot of people there with you. Uh, I, for one, wouldn't mind it as well. Main main reason being is I don't. We all know who Mr. Trubisky is. Mr. Trubisky is yeah. The, we already the, seen that. Yeah, he is the definition of a bust. You know, second overall pick, every quarterback taken behind him in the first round ended up being, you know, something or at least at one point in time something. And you know, I think he had one year where he did all right. And then the rest of it has been once once the NFL got a hold of his tape, it was downhill from there. Kenny Pickett, I'm not sure if you know he's going down that same path. I, I think that there was a stat out there that when it comes to yards or touchdowns, when it comes to touchdowns per attempts, Kenny Pickett, since the merger, is the only quarterback with less than I think it was like at 1.9 um, touchdowns or whatever per how many yards it was. He was the worst when it came to it, regardless, since the merger. There, there's a lot of question marks here. Um, but do you think that the Steelers actually do something like that? Do you think that that leash is at any way near shortened? Uh, I doubt that, you know, Mike Tomlin's going to jump from Kenny to, to 
to to uh, Mason Rudolph. I think it's going to end up being Mitch Trubisky if it ends up being anybody else. But do you think there's actually a, a leash there that has been shrunken, or do you think that this is just what it's going to be for the rest of the year? Well, <clears throat> I'm half kidding and I'm half serious about Mason Rudolph because until we see every possible combination and and starting quarterback, nobody will believe the inevitable uh, and the <laughs> obvious. So I'm just saying. Let's play Mason Rudolph. We already know what Mitch Trubisky looks like in this offense. We know what Kenny Pickett looks like. He is regressing. He's going backwards. And that, and what's going to happen when a guy just continually goes backwards, they suffer permanent damage, bad habits, things they never get past. Uh, David Carr was more talented than Derek Carr. But he went to the Houston Texans and played behind a terrible offensive line on an expansion team. And he admitted he developed bad habits, heard footsteps, seen ghosts, whatever you want to call it. I think that was Mark Sanchez. But anyway, you know, you you there's can be permanent damage. And if Kenny Pickett doesn't already have it, because he does the same plays, he's become a one-read uh quarterback. He does not go through any progressions. Uh, even if he does have time, he he throws the ball like he never has time. Uh, he can't. He, he no longer can judge the pass rush. He don't know where it's coming from. He's regressed. To uh, I'd rather have Ricky Kenny Pickett. So not only is he not progressed, he's regressed. So mm-hmm. let's change something. But whether it's going to happen or not, I don't think it will, because as we know, absolute power corrupts absolutely, and there is no coach that has more absolute power than Mike Tomlin. Now, Mike Tomlin has seen the same crap we've seen mm-hmm. multiple weeks, years, years, guys, years. Uh, we was talking before the show, 2020, at the beginning of the year, being come back, and that might have been the last time I enjoyed watching Stiller football. Ever since then, it's been boring. It's not entertaining. It's it's a struggle. You're just sitting there hoping and praying they figure out some way to pull it out at the end. And they do, but nobody enjoys it except for Mike Tomlin. He's loving it. This is what he wants. This team is created in his image because he thinks if he wins the turnover battle, he can win any game. Well, this time they won the turnover battle and they still lost the game because the offense is that terrible. Mm-hmm. And, and can't get on the same page as the quarterback. You know, we, we you know, whoever's thought that is, I don't give a crap. Uh, to me, coordinators are supposed to be able to coordinate and teach their offense and and position players are supposed to be able to teach their wide receivers to do simple fundamental stuff uh none of it's happening it's falling apart and now they're losing the locker room and now you have Najee Harris who was handpicked by Mike Tomlin this is his boy he loves Najee Harris and Najee Harris they they asked him that question after the game and he sat there and he paused and he hesitated because he didn't want to say the truth he didn't want to say the obvious but I'll, I'll, I'll finish this part of our conversation with this stat. The Steelers' only player yesterday who played on offense above the line of football was Jalen Warren, besides some of the offensive line, was Jalen Warren. He is their only weapon, their main weapon. He had one carry in the fourth quarter. No, mm-hmm. no, no, one carry. If they don't tell you how an it 
this offense and this coaching staff is, nothing else will. Yeah, no, you, you, for sure. There's a lot there that you said that I agree with. There's a lot there to 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 unpack. As far as when it comes to the regression aspect of Kenny Pickett, you know, I, I really don't see a regression. I see him staying the same. Last year, he was a guy that he left clean pockets. Uh, he drifted off to the left. And, you know, his best throw was always the back shoulder pass. Even last year, he wasn't leading receivers down the field. That was one of the things that I felt that we needed to see more improvement from him last year was the yards after catch. Now, you go all the way back into his college day, I believe that it was, um, what was it? It's 3.7 seconds snap to throw. You know, he left clean pockets there. You know, when you look at the at the quarterbacks that Mike Tomlin has drafted and developed, I mean, who, who's been the best? Josh Dobbs? You know, when it comes to, to those quarterbacks, and that's because he stayed around in the game long enough for, for him to learn the game a little bit and, um, you know, somebody given him an opportunity. But, you know, he's done the same things over and over again. And what concerns me is, is that Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers had this kid next door for five years. They saw him. They saw what he was doing. They opened up the film. They when you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers, when they drafted a quarterback, they went and they were there was no secret that they were out there looking for a QB. So that concerns me when you look at the history of the quarterback position. So even if the Steelers go ahead and and say, all right, let's tear this up. Let's start it over. Let's, you know, get a quarterback in the 2024 draft. I mean, do we really trust? Well, then again, it's going to be, you know, it's not going to be just Mike Tomlin. It'll be Mike Tomlin and Omar Khan and Andy Weidel. I think Kevin Colbert had a lot to do also with the Kenny Pickett selection. So maybe there is a, a better chance there for a better pick there at the first, you know, for at the first uh, first round there, if the Steelers were to decide to go there. But that's the first thing that's concerning to me. Um, and as far as losing the team, when you have when you have Mike Tomlin, who he has never put the accountability on the quarterback, it can go back to Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger can throw an interception to a defensive lineman and say that AB needed to run a flatter route, and Mike Tomlin's backing him up. He has never once held, you know, the quarterback position to you know, as an accountable position, and. Since Ben Roethlisberger's departure, he has not held the entire offense. Maybe perhaps Chuksukorafor is the only player that he held accountable. So how do you expect the team to hold themselves accountable to follow the leadership in the manner that we want them to when the guy, you know, the head guy there won't even be accountable to what's wrong with his team? So I, I think that this is a, is a head coach problem. And that also comes down to what you said there. Jalen Warren, fourth quarter. Is that a Matt Canada's decision to put him in or his personnel a decision from the head coach? I don't know. I, I honestly don't. But I would think that, that you know, if, if, if Mike Tomlin wanted Jalen Warren in there more, Jalen Warren would have been in there more. So I, I do think that there might be this issue might be from the top. I want to say uh, thank you to Quentin Shelby for your one dollar super uh, super sticker. And then we had a uh, super chat from one ninety nine from Steeler Lee. It's almost like Tomlin's scared to dominate teams. I mean, is it is it so much the fear of uh, of dominating teams or the capability 
of dominating teams in the manner that we want them to. And it is what it is. I mean, you know, a lot of folks were talking about how Mike Tomlin's demeanor was at the end of the game. He even attributed to, you know, the environment as a reasoning why this offense struggled. You know, how, how do you think that the team has already lost? I know you said that he's losing the team, but at, at a certain point, I mean, you have players that are calling out coaches. You have Deontay Johnson apparently doing something on the sideline to the point where Broderick Jones had to carry him away from a coaching personnel. I think that was Matt Canada. Like, what else needs to happen before it, it implodes? <clears throat> Anybody that's ever played organized athletics, the players see things that the outside public do not. And they see these issues and these problems. And they know whether it's on the coordinator, the quarterback, the offensive line coach. Uh, but they all look to the head coach because that's the guy in charge to make the final decisions and to rectify the situation and fix the problems. When the, the head coach won't even acknowledge there is a problem in any way, shape, form, or fashion, promises changes and makes none. Uh you know, last time we heard about big changes, they rearranged the practice squad. Um, you watched Dan Moore Jr. get roasted all day yesterday. He was not competitive. Uh, Mason Cole, who I was a big fan of coming into the season, he's regressed as well, and he got abused multiple times yesterday, and the guy can't even snap anymore, which is the same thing happened to Marquise Pouncey at the end of his career. I don't know what's going on in the water in Pittsburgh, but centers just forget to – they don't know how to snap anymore. Uh, I don't know if they – maybe they need to run some drills through the week and keep them fresh in their mind that you got to get the ball accurately to the quarterback. Um, but there's so many issues right now. You know, we've, we've talked many times about the Steelers' inability to develop defensive backs. And I'm not even going to go into personnel usage this year, which has been absolutely insane. I believe the personnel on the field is Tomlin's decision. I don't believe, you know, mm -hmm. you asked, is it Canada? I do not believe that. I believe it's Tomlin. And he plays who he wants, when he wants. He plays the style of football that he wants. As far as the Steelers not dominating anybody or being afraid to dominate anybody, nobody's going to dominate anybody with that conservative offensive approach. It's about keeping the games close, playing mistake-free football, and winning at the end. That's what Tomlin said. He's admitted it. It's what he wants. So, um, but I think that the players are losing faith that Tomlin will make the necessary changes because I don't even think it's that he doesn't see the problems. I think he's too stubborn to acknowledge the problem. Yeah. I mean, you got to first admit you have a problem before yeah. you can fix it. <laughs> And if, he, if he's unwilling to do that, then you're right. This is going to be a continuous problem, which it has been. You know, it's been a continuous problem since the decline of Ben Roethlisberger's career. Uh, Jalen Warren, nine carries, 129 yards, long of 74. You know, we haven't seen a running back break one like that, you know, probably since, I don't know, uh, Willie Parker? I mean, Lindy War um, um They said that Le'Veon Bell broke an 81-yarder in huh. 2013 or 2014. 
Oh, okay. Well, there it is. That was that was I didn't the even last remember one. that. But... <laughs> I don't either. Um, you know, uh Rashad Mendenhall. There you go. I thought I thought maybe he was the last one, but if Le'Veon Bell broke one, then yeah, for sure that that would be the last one. But I don't remember that one either. You know, he's got burst. There was a there was a play there in the fourth or at the end of the game where the Steelers did a draw on third and it was third and forever. And Najee ends up getting about 12, 13 yards out of it. It still ends up being fourth down and Steelers end up punting. And I just couldn't help but think that if Jalen Warren had gotten that handoff with the open space that that Najee had had, he's definitely getting that first down. And I just don't understand the decision on on why they're not moving to give Jalen Warren more of the ball. And maybe even perhaps start off the game by giving Jalen Warren the ball. Get the defense tired. And once they're tired, then you put in the bigger physical guy to go beat down on them when they're tired. I, I don't understand the game plan behind it. Um, and again, I think that probably is more of a Tomlin thing than it is a Matt Canada thing. And the Steelers don't fire <laughs> offensive coordinators. They're not going to fire Mike Tom Tomlin. So I think his his contract ends next year. You know, I, I think that when you look at the history of the Pittsburgh Steelers, when it comes to the first rounders, uh, the Steelers haven't given up on on any of them before the fifth year contract. Now, the Pittsburgh Steelers have, you know, chosen not to get a fifth year contract with their first rounders that haven't, you know, lived up to the draft uh, position that they were drafted in. And I think that's going to end up being the same situation here if Mike Tomlin ends up staying here for the next two years. I think that he's probably married to Kenny Pickett. Uh, this season and next season. Uh, I think that if at that point, I think it's when we might see some change if or unless maybe they turn it around. Um, but it's been 20 something games, you know, under Kenny Pickett. Uh, I think at this point we can kind of say we, we kind of know who he is. Can the Steelers still win with this um, kind of offense? And, you know, I think it worked for a little bit me personally, but I think that it is not sustainable. And we're, we're coming, you know, that pendulum swings the other way, you know, where you're going to start to lose some of these close games. Uh, what do you think that, you know, the Steelers can do or, or what should they do at this point to salvage the offense? We're just reliving groundhog day. <laughs> That's true. I mean, this is a repeat rinse and repeat. Uh, the Steelers' offense is one-dimensional. They're starting to get the offensive line to jail again. They're starting to get the running game going. The passing attack just isn't there. Um, if you look for a quarterback this year in the draft, the problem is the Steelers will still win 9, 10, 11 games because Tomlin will figure out a way. But mm -hmm. you never really finish your rebuild because, you know, you got to – be bad for a while to be good for a while by the way things are nowadays. You got to give up something to get something. The Steelers ain't willing to do any of that. So they're going to stay mediocre and they'll just stay mediocre and it, mm -hmm. nothing's going to change. And I, I don't see, like everybody talks about this year, you got four or five top quarterbacks coming out supposedly. Well, one of them, Bo Nix has been in college for like six years. I think the dude's like 25, 26. I mean, he's been out there forever now. He's good, but he ought to be. He's playing against kids. Um, you you got uh, uh, the one guy, Caleb Williams, I think his name is, and uh, 
if you watch him and you listen to him and what he wants if he's drafted and and letting his mom hold him as he cries in the stands, I don't want that guy leading my football team. Um, <laughs> you know, I, there's always these guys that everybody thinks is going to be so great. Uh, and if you really do a deeper dive, you you know, you can find problems. I mean, they, people convinced themselves that Brian Young was better than uh, C.J. Stroud. And I was like, I was telling everybody, listen, I'm like, Stroud's easily the best quarterback. And like there's draft. I mean, Young's tiny. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're bigger than he is. I oh, mean, yeah. I mean, I still, if he gets hit solid, uh, I mean, I think he's going to be out. I really do. Uh, he's just he's just too small to hold up to the pounding. I mean, I know it's a softer, gentler NFL now, but you can't be that little. I mean, if his linemen stand fully up, he can't say nothing. Um, so I just think that the Steelers are – in this situation with Kenny Pickett, uh, what he becomes, have no idea. Uh, doesn't matter. I just want him to win. I want him to be entertaining. I want him to be competitive. Where they're at right now, they're not any of that. They're not going to be. It's been smoke and mirrors. If you look at the statistics, this is a mediocre football team. Every available metric would tell you this is a mediocre football team. Where they're good is they take the ball away and they protect the football and the running game starting to come on some. Uh, but, like, the pass rushes fell off to nothing. Yesterday, they were totally conservative on defense. Uh, on that, Especially on that final drive, they backed off and let him complete. Well, they had timeouts and everything, and he completed four passes, took them right into field goal range. Um so it was just kind of a, a complete failure all the way around. And that's why we're seeing what we're seeing today from the fan base, from the players in the locker room, and from social media. <clears throat> yeah. No, I, I agree with you. Um, but when it comes to the offensive side, you know, we brought you brought up a couple of names, Mason Cole, Dan Moore. Um, you know, Kenny Pickett's another guy that's that's a question mark. But are the Steelers one player away of of being competitive or a contender? Do you think that if they were to find a fix at the quarterback position, let's just say this offseason, they go out there and they get a um, – I don't know, a lot of people are talking about Kirk Cousins. I personally wouldn't want to go down that avenue, especially him coming off of an Achilles uh, you know, injury. We don't know how everybody bounces back off of those I don't know which leg it was or how it will affect his throwing motion or his, you know, his power or any of those things, his accuracy. But, you know, I think that's a risk, but it's probably a risk the Steelers will probably take because, you know, the Steelers, the Steelers take cheap risks. <laughs> I should have called them the cheap Steelers. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, they take cheap risks. Mitch Trubisky, cheap risk. Uh, Mitch Trub- uh, Kenny Pickett in the first round. 20 overall, he fell, it's a cheap risk. You know, he doesn't work out. At least he didn't, you know, he don't work yeah. out. At least he didn't, you know, wage the farm for him. You're not paying him top 10 money either. So, you know, in my opinion, I don't know. Are they going to be that aggressive to go get a player that they want? Are they going to be aggressive enough to go get a player in the draft? Now, if the team was one player away, I'd say do it. But I don't know if they're there. I don't think they are. I think they need another offensive lineman. And 
I think they need a middle linebacker in this draft, probably to go in the first round, somewhere around there. That, that's going to be huge. The Steelers haven't had a middle linebacker uh, since uh, Ryan Shazier, and I think that's the position of need at this point. What are, what are your thoughts? Yeah, a lot of people ain't going to like the truth. Uh, we, we don't like to hear the truth, but the truth is this team is way away. I've said all along, if Pickett wasn't the answer, there's big problems. So looks like Pickett ain't the answer. Uh, so they need a new offensive coordinator. They need a new quarterback. Uh, they need at least a center. Uh, depending on what they do with one of the tackles, they probably need a new tackle. They need another wide receiver. Uh, <laughs> then you go to the defensive side of the ball, and you need a new coordinator there. You got uh, Cameron Hayward, who's old and no longer justifies his massive contract. That's going to be a tough offseason decision. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, the highest paid or one of the highest paid guys at his position in T.J. Watt, who we're starting to see become more and more injury prone. And the less effective he is, it also impacts Alex Highsmith, who's highly paid on the other side. Um, as you say, middle linebackers, people – we talked forever that the Steelers, you know, have trouble developing cornerbacks, but when's the last time they developed a middle linebacker? If they draft him, they never do nothing. Ulysses Gilbert, the third, Buddy Johnson, now Mark Robertson. Think about this, guys. When I talk about personnel usage, and Landon Roberts played 100% of the snaps yesterday. And then you had, uh, Michael Walker, the new guy up from the practice squad, the former Atlanta Falcons player, he played the rest of the snaps when they needed an inside linebacker. Mark Robertson was in the doghouse, did not get one snap. Now, Landon Roberts on that final drive by Cleveland, you looked, he was exhausted. He was spent because he had played his heart out. He had 15 tackles. Defensive player of the game for the stores, no doubt, yesterday. But he was exhausted. Now you're telling me you got the kid, the guy's double, doppelganger, standing on the sidelines who plays just basically the same role and plays exactly the same as Landon Roberts. That you can't play him on early downs to come in, especially against a team with a rookie quarterback. It's not throwing the ball down the field. That that Roberts couldn't have spelled, Robertson couldn't have spelled Roberts for a little bit, and then Roberts would have been you know, have more energy to help close that ball game out. Those personnel decisions, all that stuff, again, comes back to Tomlin. The, when you're trying to rebuild a roster, sustainable improvement and player development is crucial. It's more important than straight victories. Victories are like fool's gold. It's really exciting if you find it, but it doesn't mean it has any value. The Steelers are six and four. They could easily be four and six or worse. But I would take that if they were developing the young talent and we were seeing sustainable improvements. Nobody could tell me that they see sustainable improvements out of this thing. No, I agree with you. And I want to answer a lot of or comment on some of the stuff that you were saying there. Uh, but we're going to take a quick break real quick. And when we get back, we're going to talk about that and much more uh, on the YouTube side. Don't go anywhere. We're going to stay right here on the audio only side. Just a quick word from our sponsors. 
And we're back. Welcome back to The Hangover. I'm Daniel. Alongside with me is Shannon White. We're talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers game yesterday as they fall to the Cleveland Browns 13-10. And there's a lot of question marks going on uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, none bigger than the, the quarterback question. But before we get back into the conversation, uh, you mentioned off air beforehand that you had an article that was coming up. I know you have the stock up, stock down article. Give us a little bit of a preview of what you have coming up this week. Well, uh, the tomorrow around 11 will be the Steelers stock report, which is my weekly uh, article on Tuesday. And I talk a lot about the situation the Steelers find themselves in. Uh, I wanted to acknowledge the, the couple of players who were, win, you know, that were stock up. And that is Jalen Warren, obviously, who is the Steelers easily – their most efficient and reliable offensive player. Uh, and I also mentioned the Landon Roberts earlier, but the guy played his heart out. That was the most physical game from a Steelers inside linebacker since probably Vince Williams. Uh, that that was – I loved it. It was beautiful. When, when he makes tackles, they're sudden stop tackles. Guys don't go forward. It's, it's over right there. And – Njoku, the tight end for Cleveland, after he took a couple of shots from Roberts, he dropped, I think, two or three passes in a row at the end of the game, which should have helped the Steelers win, but they were so bad offensively, it didn't matter. But um, I tried to hold accountable everybody that needed to be held accountable, including Mike Tomlin. So check the article out, and and you'll get a little bit more of an in-depth explanation of why I feel that you know, the Bucks got to stop here with Mike Tomlin. My opinion, uh, Dan Rooney, it would be one of these conversations. It was like, okay, you're going to make changes, necessary changes, or I'm going to make necessary changes. There is nobody in the Steelers' ownership who has the cojones to do that anymore. And, and you can't give anybody absolute power because it can corrupt absolutely. And I believe that that's what's happened. And now it's become a stubborn chess match and a, and a battle of wills and wits between the media and the head coach. And we're all losing. We're all losing. Uh, of course, then on Wednesday uh, at 8.30, we'll have uh, our Pump Your Breaks podcast. Uh, and then Friday at 11 will be my weekly random stiller observation article. And it's going to be filled with a lot of Truth Nuggets as well. So definitely check that out. Good stuff. Good stuff. Make sure you go check that out. While you're at it, make sure you check out all the other audio podcasts only on Steel Curtain Network. You know, we have the uh, Let's Ride by Jeff Hartman. You have Bad Language by Brian Anthony Davis. The Stat Geek by Dave Schofield. Much, much more, including my own on Friday. You have State of the Steelers, uh, where we talk about the upcoming matchup each week. So let's get back into the conversation. I have a question for you real quick. If if the Steelers were to, or let's just say Mike Tomlin were to resign and a new coach come in within the next couple of, um, and within the next, let's just say within two years, the Steelers get number seven. Do you think the narrative is going to be that that coach won with Tomlin's team? <laughs> uh, it would have to be. Um, you know, because if it, let's say it's next year, and Tomlin 
you know, they don't renew the contract and he, they agree to part ways. They'll be that much farther into the supposed rebuild, even though the Steelers won't acknowledge ever rebuilding. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so then if a coach comes in and has immediate success, yeah, it's going to be just like everybody said Tomlin had success with Cowher's players. Uh, Cowher didn't really have to put up with that because by the time he took over for Coach Snow, Snow was at the end of his career and was ready to retire. And the Steelers had, it had been so long since they'd been really competitive as a contender. Uh, but every, every, Coach will have to put up with that um, if they have immediate success in the near future after replacing a legend. Yeah, I would I would think that too. But when I look at Tomlin's career and 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 everything that's gone down, I think that a lot of the reason why uh, people have that narrative that Tomlin won with Cowher's team is because it's not just the players, but Cowher also developed those players. And this goes back to the development aspect of what you were talking about before. Cowher developed them and developed a Super Bowl winning team that had already won a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody comes in now and develops this team, I don't think that the same uh, stamp is going to be on that coach. I don't think they're going to say, oh, this guy won with Tomlin's team. Because I also think that the new guy that would come in would clean house. I don't think that, you know, Matt Canada would be the offensive coordinator. Terrell Austin apparently has been linked to Syracuse, I think. So he may not be the defensive coordinator regardless of anything. Yeah, that's what everybody's <laughs> everybody's praying. Yep. Right. Um, you know, they would clean house. When Tomlin came in, that wasn't the case. I think there was some some of the offensive coordinator uh had left and and I think the Luke Bow had stayed. So outside of the offensive coordinator. A lot of the staff stayed there. And the further we've gotten away from that team, the less success the Steelers have had. You know, the further away we've come away from Cowher's team. I mean, we look at, you know, when was the last time the Steelers won a playoff game? You know, several years ago. Um, you look at the players that the Steelers have. Yeah, there you go. You know, you look at – um Let's look at the the first round players that the Steelers have drafted in the last few rounds. You had Kenny Pickett, Najee Harris, Devin Bush, Terrell Edmonds. Would you take any of those guys over the first four Steelers that were drafted this year in this one draft alone? No, no way. Exactly. So this team hasn't really been built correctly either. Has it been developed? Um, You know, how can you develop a quarterback when you – throw in a quarterback before you build the offensive line. You know, you're going to ruin whoever, whatever quarterback you have there, you know, and then you're you're touching on it. Exactly. Um, A lot of it goes back to Kevin Colbert and his first 10 years. And then the rest of his career, Mm -hmm. he he was right there where they was a, a noticeable shift and roster development and roster building. And so in the first part half of his career, he was with it. He, you know, he, he had the rhythm and he was, it was much better. Then on the second half, he, he become a fossil. He, he was, his ideology was misplaced. Uh, his thought process. Uh, and we see that the drafts got worse and worse and worse and worse. And uh, during that time, what's the other common denominator? 
they're the Steelers have the cheapest coaching staff in the NFL. Now there is no salary cap on coaching, but they are just cheap. They do not spend on coaching. So you get guys, hey man, you help recruit my son to Maryland. Man, you know, we're buddies. I really like you. I want to work with you. You're my offensive coordinator. I knew you from, you know, down here in Cincinnati. And, you know, even though you've not been really successful as a defensive coordinator, you're going to be my defensive coordinator after uh, Butler moves on. And, I mean, the stories just go on and on and on. Um, it's good old boy system. It, it's they, they all know each other. And it's great to work with people you like. But mm-hmm. somewhere along the line, you can't be surrounded by yes men. Somebody's got to stand up to Tomlin and say, no, this ain't the right decision. And, you know, maybe because, hey, we know they won't fire a guy. So, you know, maybe they'll get put in Tomlin's doghouse. I don't know if you put coaches in there. But uh, but somebody's got to speak up. And because not all ideas, mine, yours, anybody, are good ideas. And you need somebody to say, this isn't a good idea. And then you can revisit it. Who's going to say that to Tomlin right now? Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. And like I said, I think that the problem stems from the top, you mm-hmm. know, and it, it's going to be an issue that we'll see. And like you said, Tomlin is a, and the Steelers are a team that are going to end up winning nine, ten games just just based on based on the strength of scale that's going on. Uh, the Steelers may even find themselves in the seven or, or seed of the playoff picture and, and crowd somewhere. Um, and is that going to be? Would that be enough to save the quarterback OC combination if the Steelers end up finding themselves in the playoffs and you know going up against a I don't know a Jacksonville team in the first round? Um, you know that that's a game that could be winnable if the defense is healthy enough. You know, Mika Fitzpatrick should be coming back here pretty soon. Hey. The Steelers just. Yeah. yeah, they need him back. The communication is a huge issue right now. And so he's going to be able to control that. The Steelers just signed uh Miles uh, Jack um what's the name? Jack Miles Jack. There we go. I had his name backwards. They just signed Miles Jack uh to the practice squad. He's probably going to get reacclimated to the team and find himself on the 53 sooner or later. And he's he knows the defense enough to probably call it still. You know, he was a member of the team last year. It's so, the same defense. Yeah, exactly. It's the same terminology and everything. I guarantee you. Yeah, so it's just don't change it. Yeah, no, that's true. That is teams true. are calling it out uh, ahead of the play, just like they do the offense. It's just it's too simple. <laughs> no, nah, yeah, you're right. I mean, everything everything that the Pittsburgh Steelers are doing, it, it is it's very simple. It's very predictable. Um, you know, I went to the Tennessee Titans game, and I could tell my buddy, hey, I think the Steelers are going to go this way or the Steelers are going to run that mm-hmm. direction. I couldn't tell you the exact play, obviously, but I can kind of determine which direction they were going. And even when they were passing, uh, I was, I would tell my buddy Nate, I was like, hey, I think they're going to do an, something out to the corner here with, with Deontay Johnson based on the lineup of the defense and what the offense is doing. They're so predictable mm-hmm. that that's what they do when you see this. And sure enough, that's what they did on, on, on several of those plays. Um, but is the predictability because or the simplification because of the players or is that because of the coaches? I mean, on the defensive side, you're missing two inside linebackers. You're missing your strong safety or you're you're missing your star safety in Minka Fitzpatrick. So simplifying the defense probably is the answer there. 
offensively, is it simplified because of the quarterback or is it simplified because of the OC? What do you think? Okay, on defense, we I believe a lot of it was Brian Flores' influence because oh, yeah. we've seen the three inside linebacker look. Um, we've seen the three safety look. We've seen the three edge player look this year. Um, but it's not as safe defensively this year as it was last. So I'm going to give Flores a lot of credit there. They're limited what they can do creatively on defense because of how slow they are. Uh, now, this year they had Holcomb and Alexander for most of the year, and so the middle linebackers were not a weakness anymore. But the secondary has been an issue. Uh, now, it took them forever to play Joey Porter Jr., but they finally have, and he's given them one press-capable guy. And I, and they definitely need another one. Uh, now, whether they ever play Darius Rush again, I don't know, but they need to be developing him. That goes back to player development, as we talked about earlier. On offense, there's been a multitude of guys, multiple quarterbacks, multiple offensive linemen, uh, multiple running backs even, uh, that have tried to trot it in and out, uh, multiple receivers. Um, so it, the personnel's changed, but it's the same results. So I think it's – we're kind of getting an answer there. Mm-hmm. Um I think what we fail to realize is that a lot of this comes from Mike Tomlin. As I've said before, Mike Tomlin do not use the middle of the field because the middle of the field is where interception uh, and turnovers, the percentages go up. You know, there's big hits, there's deflections, tip passes. Uh, it, it just, it's much safer to stay on the perimeters. Uh, and, so if you see somebody who's ultra conservative like Tomlin, there's no way he's not influencing his offensive coordinator. And then that goes on down to the players. <clears throat> yeah, no, I agree. You know, like, like I said, when we can pile up on Tomlin, it, it, it definitely does seem like at this point, all, all, all fingers are pointing in that direction. You know, it, it seems like he has the most say when it comes to putting up the coaching staff you know, even with Brian Flores, he had what was the story that he called Art Rooney said, hey, I want I want Brian Flores. He said, all right. And he got him. So it's not like he's uh, being handcuffed himself. No, you, you know what I'm saying? I think no. he has probably the most power that's out there. You know, it may not be out there as far as, you know, how much power he has. It's not it's the Steelers don't like to put out their business, which is like one of the reasons why, um, in my opinion, like Chiefs Corfor got got um got benches because it started to get out of what he had said about you know having just take a knee if you're gonna be ball with two minutes left down by 10 you know I, that got out and there should be some consistency in the discipline like if yes. it's that was a very convenient situation that allowed them to set a court for who had not been playing well and replace him with Broderick Jones with, that they desperately a move they needed to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, now we have Harris, you know, said some things just as bad. Yeah. As you said, Dante Johnson had to be restrained on the sidelines. Do you think those two guys are going to be benched? I bet you they ain't. No. So if I've worked at different places, and, and I don't know, the one consistency, if you're in management, you sit in a meeting for an hour 
and you need to be working, but you're talking about whose fault is it? And in the whole conversation, the room full of people is you try to figure out who to blame. Okay. You find out if it's somebody that's close with ownership or, you know, has a little pull, you find out and you're like, okay, we're going to do better and the meeting's over. If it's somebody that is expendable, hard to tell what'll happen. Nobody respects that type of discipline. And it accomplishes nothing, and it's a waste of time. And I'm afraid that's what the Steelers are going to do because they used it as an excuse to bench a core for. But we had two blatant, uh, not even forgetting what Pickens did, we're having blatant examples that need to be disciplined, and there has to be repercussions, and I bet you nothing happens. No, nothing is. I mean, I think the discipline for George Pickens on what he did was they uh, didn't announce him as a starter. Yeah, yeah. You know, that was that was it. He wasn't announced as a starter. You know, shame on you, sir. Slap on the <laughs> wrist. You know, <laughs> he, he started the game. <laughs> he was out there, you know, the first play. So, uh, you know, it, you're right there. There's no accountability. And in my opinion, outside of me, you know, especially on the offensive side, there isn't a player on the offense that should be. Um, free from any type of or should be given some sort of special treatment. Maybe perhaps say Malu because he's a proven veteran. He's been there a while. If he, you, know, you really don't expect him to be acting out. But I guess if he acted out, you might have a little bit more leeway with him on the offensive side. But you have a, you know, a, a third year running back who hasn't put up the numbers uh, and they're the backup running back who is undrafted. You know, everybody's calling for his name to be in, in the starting mm-hmm. position. Deontay Johnson, you know, has been criticized his entire career because of his hands, you know, and George Pickens is in his second year, which, you know, no fault to his own. But what has he done? You know, how many touchdowns does he have? How many how many receptions and yards does he have compared to the other top receivers in the league? Like I said, no fault to his own, but he hasn't done it yet. Mm-hmm. So why why is there such a difference in treatment? And, you know, you would think with Chuxacor for being the guy that got he's the highest, if I believe he's the highest paid lineman on the team. Uh, he's probably has the most experienced on the team. He's the one that gets punished in a weird way. I, I agree with you. That is that is a question mark. Uh, but do you think that maybe perhaps given the performance that Dan Moore had against the Cleveland Browns, is there a chance the Steelers put back Chuxacor for move Roderick Jones to the left side? You would think by this point they would try something. Because uh, mm-hmm. you see how much the line improved just by putting Broderick Jones on the right side, which is not his natural side. Um, you know, Dan Moore, a lot of people is going to struggle against the core for it. And Moore has improved uh, his run blocking. He's looked very good. But his pass blocking is what it is. I don't know if he's ever going to really improve in that aspect. And you mm-hmm. drafted Broderick Jones to be your left tackle. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I see – because Tomlin's been adamant that you do not play more on the right side, that he's not good there. So, mm-hmm. even though we all think he looks like he'd be a really good right tackle, Tomlin disagrees. So, um, but you that is something you could do. Uh, you know, to send a message. Uh, put Broderick Jones at left tackle. Bring in a core for uh, – Make moves with Mason Cole. I mean, I mean, I like the guy. I think he's a really good dude, but he's struggling. He is struggling mightily with any kind of power. He's he's struggling even snapping the ball. 
Um, and you know, now you said you seen Nate Herbig and he can't snap either. So, um, yeah, I don't want to move James Daniels or, or Samalo. Both can play center, but they're the best guards. They're the best linemen the Steelers have. Uh, James Daniels still hasn't officially given up a sack during his Steelers tenure in the regular season. I think he gave up one in the preseason. But, mm-hmm. I mean, the guy's incredible. I mean, he's underrated. We, we need to show him more respect. And Samalu, is, as you said, is really coming on. But, you know, they're at a point right now in the season, they've got some winnable games coming up. Uh, and But they're going to have to make some changes to make this come to fruition. Because I got to tell you right now, I don't have any faith that Pickett can go out next week and beat the Bengals. Uh, yeah. When you look at him, he looks lost. He he does not look like he sees the field. His confidence is shot. So let's give – hey, free Mason Rudolph. Hashtag <laughs> Let's get it going. Get, you know, let's see what he can do. Hey, if, if there's all these wide-open receivers – I mean, I keep hearing about them. Now, I don't see them, but everybody does. Everybody else sees them. So if they're out there – who says Mason Rudolph can't hit him? You know, it's not that hard to throw from point A to point B if the guy's wide open. So let's give Rudolph a shot. One thing about it, we know Rudolph can throw deep, mm-hmm. and that's what we want. Throw up, throw it deep to George Pickens, for crying out loud. Quit throwing <laughs> deep to Deontay Johnson. Mm-hmm. He had two more balls go straight through his hands yesterday. I mean, they're catchable balls. Now, they're not perfect throws. But they're hitting him in the hands. But if it's if it ain't, you know, he drops it. So throw it to Pickens. Pickens is good at contested catches. But we're throwing the tape up, but we're throwing it to the wrong person. Yeah. Yeah, no, I hear you. As far as you know, seeing those wide wide open receivers, I'll send you the link. I, I have them. I have those clips. <laughs> but um <clears throat> now let's see if Rudolph can hit him. Yeah, yeah. And that's the one thing I think that everybody remembers when it comes to Rudolph right now. You know, the last memory of Rudolph, because he hasn't played any meaningful plays, is that, you know, that one play he had in preseason to George Pickens in the corner of the end zone against Seattle. You know, that's one thing that sticks up to everybody's mind. It's like, hey, that, that was a corner corner throw over the top to George Pickens, put it right where he can catch it. And it was a great pass. And we haven't seen a pass, you know, like that to that extent yet since then. You know, Kenny Pickett hasn't. I guess the 35 yarder to Deontay Johnson that was in the bucket, you know, but I, for, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess that was, you know, pretty good, but I don't see that, you know, bigger arc that down the field, 40, 50 yards down the field type of play that, that we've had. I think the uh, Deontay Johnson or Calvin Austin against the Raiders, but that was, you know, that was in the middle of the field. But since then he's thrown an interception on that play and has been batted down, not because the play didn't work, but because he underthrew both times. So, yeah, I mean, there's we a big really question. We really, I again, like what I said in the meetings I used to be in, we're wasting time talking about Kenny Pickett. Yeah, I mean, we're at the point now. I mean, the last four games, he's he's they're struggling to hit a hundred yards passing for the game. Yeah. They are struggling. The, it is falling to record lows. I mean, that's how bad it is. It's there's no reason to even trot the same people back out there. Because it's that bad. So now they have an option to play Mason Rudolph and try to get – I was looking at his last 10 games. Somebody put a, a chart up on Twitter. 
And if mm-hmm. we would take those numbers right now, what Rudolph's last, you know, maybe he threw two interceptions, but he threw two touchdowns. Right yeah. now, we'll take it. So yeah. let's get Rudolph out there uh, yeah. and try something different so that we don't continue to suffer the same Groundhog Day reality every week. No, I, I agree with you. I and, think and right now. I mean, you know, somebody just mentioned Duck Hodges. I got the shirt on. <laughs> I don't have a Mason Rudolph shirt, but I, I, I got this out of the back of the closet so that everybody can, we can remember 2019 finally. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. That year, Mason Rudolph, he, he, well, as a, in his career, he's 5-4-1, right? He has, his pass yards average per game is 6.2, which is exactly uh, what, um, 6.2 yards, which is what Kenny Pickett is. But the difference is he's played in what? That's 10 games. He has 16 touchdowns in 10 games. Uh, Pickett's what? He's played in 20-something games, and he has 13. So th- that's... Yeah, but I ain't even talking about Pickett anymore. I mean, talk, keep talking about Rudolph. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready, man. Let's do it. Yeah, I mean, he, he ends up, like I said, he... He's a guy that uh, he's not going to win you games either. But but you know what I saw in the in the Cleveland Browns game though. At the second half of the game, the Steelers were playing a certain type of defense, and that was because the the Browns refused to throw the ball up the field, mm-hmm. and that's because they had a third string quarterback. They were protecting their QB. You know the Steelers were playing the style of defense that most defenses play the Steelers, and the offensive you know game plan for the the Cleveland Browns quarterback in the second half was very similar to the off the, you know, the game plan that the Steelers play. So to me, it seems like I think they're protecting Kenny Pickett, uh, Mason. I mean, Mitch, he goes in there. He doesn't have a problem throwing the ball over the field comes usually goes to the other team, but he doesn't have yeah, a problem yeah. throwing it there. Yeah. So I don't think anybody's handcuffing anyone. You know, if, 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 if Trubisky is allowed to throw the ball over the field and, and throw the interceptions and, and no, you know, he has no risk of losing his backup position either. Then, you know, I, I think then the throwing over the field might be a uh, Kenny Pickett decision. Um, we're getting pretty close to the end there. Uh, any, any final words, um, Shannon, before we let everybody go? Well, like I said, I just, um, uh... You know, is we got this Thanksgiving week here, and so much to enjoy. I can't wait to have all the family together and all the good food, fun, and fellowship. And as my uh, beloved father used to say, making memories. Uh, as you get older, you cherish them. And and I hope everybody has a wonderful Thanksgiving uh, week. And um, and hopefully we have we'll hear something through the week about some changes. Uh, even though Tom won't talk about it, but we never see him. But maybe this week it'll, maybe while he's having Thanksgiving dinner, it'll hit him that, hey, we need to free Mason Rudolph. So everybody hashtag it, put it all over social media. Maybe somebody higher up in the system that can do something because we can't. I mean, let's see it, and it'll inspire them to make this change. And who knows what could happen. And so, I mean, I still have faith and I still believe. So, um, but, you know, let's say I want to say to you and yours and everybody here, uh, happy Thanksgiving and God bless. 
Yes, 100%. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Uh, we'll be back next week, hopefully after a victory. The Steelers take on the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, another backup quarterback. Maybe the Steelers can come come to on this game. Uh, with that being said, Shannon, take us out. Hey, maybe even have Mika Fitzpatrick back. Oh, that would be great. <laughs>